0: Roar Nation, Promise Keepers is back July 31st, 2020. Estimated 80,000 men will be gathering at the AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Speakers are going to rock the house. It's going to be a full lineup. And on top of that, worship is going to be amazing. Why am I telling you so far in advance? Because tickets are on sale and they're slowly selling out. So that being said, I hope I see you there. I am planning on going. Go to promisekeepers.org to get info and tickets. Again, go to promisekeepers.org. See you there.
1: Welcome to Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You, the podcast that focuses on Christians that are active in everyday life. Join in as we speak to everyone from successful business owners to educators to athletes about their faith and how it helps them reach out and revolutionize those around them to do the same. And now, get ready to roar with your host, the voice of manifestation, John Fuller.
0: Hey, Roar Nation, John Fuller here, and we are excited today because this is going to be fun. So... Check this out. I am talking to the best guy to see on the worst day of your life. Uh, that's what he's been tagged as. He got some other things that we're going to talk about for fun. But that being said, I want to introduce you to Dr. Charles Chuck Page. Chuck, how you doing, man? Man, I'm great. John, good to be on the show. That's good. Hey, I don't know if I should read this off or not, but I'm dying laughing on your <laughs> suggested introduction. Uh, what you got, uh, nicknamed in college. So the awards oh, yeah. that you
2: got. Yeah. Well, so one of my awards, uh, I don't know which, I can't remember, you know, high school, college, but one of my awards was most likely to marry a Denny's waitress. So in medical school, I skipped class and I would just go to Denny's and just, you know, buy a grand slam and just study all day. So that's what the award I got after we finished our basic sciences. So yeah, that's I got some awesome. great, Yeah in high school. I got a, a award for, uh, uh, I got second place for ugliest man on campus. You know, just, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So anyway, I guess I'm the Charlie Brown. And then I, then I got most likely to get sued for malpractice. And let's, let's don't even talk about that one today. <laughs> I would say you can got,
0: you guys can keep that one, man. I'd say you can have that one back. I ain't taking it. <laughs> All right. So th- that was funny. I read that on your bio sheet, man. And I about fell over laughing. So that made it so f- for fun. Okay. So, Chuck, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, uh,
2: what you do, and some of your background? So, I am a uh, small-town surgeon. I do everything. I carry a lot of different hats. Um, You know, I've been doing this for about 25 years. So, um, you know, the older I get, the more boring I like things to be, you know, but it always seems like I always get the crazy crazy stuff, you know, especially... You know, I know you're out in Amarillo, but in East Texas, man, the thicker the trees get, man, the, the crazier stuff gets, <laughs> the you get in the trees. So, so that's kind of one hat that I wear. You know, I'm am a deacon in my church. I'm busy with my church. I'm married. I've got five kids. Wow. And, uh, yeah, two are in college, so I can't quit my day job, but I sure would like to. Yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, so I got two two in college, and I got one going to college. So we just got all kinds of moving parts. I tell people I'm the best guy to see on the worst day of your life. But my wife is the best person to see any day of your life. She's just, she's awesome. we have been married about 25 years and she puts up with me and I I don't deserve her. That's for sure. 25 years of marriage. Congratulations.
0: Um, Hey, I'm curious. This is going to be a side note. What uh, I I watch uh, like crazy things that happen in the ER sometimes. I get a kick out of it.
2: What's your craziest, like, walk-in that stands out to you? Oh, my goodness. I can't even remember. I mean, there was a guy that came in with a tattoo on his chest that said, you know, ready for heaven, and he was ready for heaven. I mean, literally. I mean, just crazy things. Yeah. Yeah. The ER is crazy. You know, I see stuff that would make Dr. Pimple Popper probably pass out, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir.
0: That is hilarious. Okay, so along your journey of school, uh, maybe school or life just recently, it doesn't matter, but do you have kind of like a, a life scripture or mantra quote that you've kind of just stuck with it, that you're grounded on?
2: Well, I think, uh, wow, there's so many, but probably, you know, Ephesians 2.10, you know, for we are His workmanship, created in good works for Christ, Jesus. you know, see, I can't even quote it now, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, to walk in those things which he's prepared for us to do. I love that verse, you know? So yeah, it's Ephesians 2.10.
0: I decided I'm going to steal that. Now I got a bunch of books I got to sign myself and I'm going to steal your Ephesians 2.10. I like that. Created
2: for good works. Yes. Our poema, the Greek says poema. It's like we're we're like something that God's writing down, writing down a story. Man, have I got some stories to tell you, you know, as we all do. Yeah, absolutely. That's good stuff. Okay. So
0: Chuck, why don't you take me a little bit on your journey of why you got, because we're a lot about stepping into purpose or calling uh, what we're called to do. Why or when did you decide to become a doctor? Kind of what was some of that process of maybe from high school, college
2: uh, going forward? So, you know, for me, I never opened a book in high school. I was a football player and something clicked. Uh, You know, I became a Christian about age 16, my junior year in high school. and things begin to change, and, um, you know, one of the biggest role models growing up in small town Texas was uh, my family doctor, and, you know, God just began to work in my heart. My mom and dad never went to college, and so this was a completely different journey. My dad was a landscaper. We grew trees. We landscaped houses, you know. Anything that was hard work, my dad somehow found a way to getting me involved in it. So, you know, a lot, you know, yard mowing that kind of stuff. So I figured I I wanted an inside job. Um, But anyway, uh, I just began to take that, you know, that step, you know, and, and I went to a small liberal arts school in Sherman, which was um, really formative and failed my first set of exams. Didn't know what I was doing, but uh, you know, God was faithful the whole way and uh, it's been a journey and You know, I kind of always thought I'd be a small town doctor, and since I am a small town doctor, small town surgeon, so it's it's unique, and then I get to know my patients a little bit better than most, you know, urban surgeons because I see them for a lot of different things. So it's kind of gratifying. So, at what point did you decide that you thought was
0: it because of your role model that you thought you'd become a doctor, or did you just kind of step into it?
2: You thought you'd give it a stab at it. Well, I mean, it's a calling. I mean, you know, okay. definitely. And that's kind of what's kept me going. You know, as as you know, medicine is is crazy these days. I tell people we I feel like we're rearranging the deck tiers on the Titanic. Oh God. You know, the way all the regulations and stuff. And you know, I I tell you, and and, and medicine's becoming more of a shift work type mentality. And the things that we kind of um, valued as physicians of the last generation at least. I'm becoming a dinosaur, by the way, I'm fifty, you know. So, but the things that we valued, you know, ownership of patients, you know, this is my patient, this is my responsibility, you know, continuity of care, all those kind of things are just kind of, they're just kind of gone with the wind. now, And so it's a whole different kind of. Um, Why is that leaving?
0: To me, that's really sad, because when I think about that, I mean, I want to see the same doctor. I want to, I want to feel like I'm valued by uh my doctor for this sense yes. of that.
2: So so why is that going away? A lot of it is because of, you know, the Affordable Care Act and a lot of the new regulations that we have. I mean, a doctor, most like, for example, primary care doctors, they can't see you in the office and go to the hospital and jump through all the hoops they have to jump through, you know, to see you. So you see somebody that you don't know in the hospital and, you know, you're not really cared for by a doctor in the hospital. You're cared for by a system. You know, yeah. So every day you see a new doctor. So there's a lot of. Uh, this is the way I feel. I feel like a quarterback in a football game. In every play, I have a new, a new, a new guy on the team. You know, so like oh, I have man. a new running back to hand off the ball to. I got a new center to take the snap from. You know, I they may be the. They may be the. I mean, the best running back and Emmett Smith may be taking the ball. You know. Right. But it's just there's no continuity of 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 carrying and hmm. it's frustrating, especially oh. when you're the surgeon trying to, you know, get people from point A to point B. So, yeah. you know, it's a big challenge. Um, but, you know, once again, it's still a calling and, um, you know, I still love what I do. I love my patients and my patients inspire me, you know, and, and that's yeah. kind of why kind of motivated me to start doing some writing. Part of it was just to process all these things that happened in my life, but it's also to just because I've realized just the power of stories and I've learned so much from people, you know, and I've, as I've gotten a little older and more, I guess maybe a little bit wiser, I've learned to listen to people, you know, and listen to my patients and they've got a lot of stuff they can, they can teach you when you listen to folks.
0: Well, that's a great segue. I'm glad you brought that up. So author, so you've written a book called a spoonful of courage. Um, and it says for the sick and suffering, So let's, I want to talk about that. I want to hear about that because obviously that's uh, to pick up that book. I mean, that's a very niche market. It's not like it's a self-help type book. I mean, I'm sick. There's, there's a reason people are picking that up.
2: What spurred you on to write this book? Well, first of all, about three years ago, my office building burned down. So, you know, I'm a, so um, I'm a solo surgeon and I pretty much work 24 seven and you know, a lot of my retirement was in that building. And, um, as I watched my building kind of burn up in flames, it was just like, wow, this could be, this is the worst time that that could ever happen. And, you know, I was underinsured on the, on the property. And so it was just a whole mess. But what was interesting and what inspired me is, is kind of word spread in our town. Um, people began to tell me their stories. I mean, I was still on call the weekend my office building burned down. So I said, I'd take care of patients. And, you know, one guy said, Hey doc, You're not going to believe this, but my house burned down and my wife, who was invalid, she couldn't walk, was left inside. I couldn't get her out. So I had to watch my house burn down with my wife inside. You know, as I was throwing my as I was throwing my pity party, I realized that I had nothing to complain about. You know, and so often when we see what other people are going through, uh, we we begin to. Uh, adjust our attitude, and so that's what these stories are about. They're they're about to change your focus. And so, what I learned is, first of all, is the power of people's stories. What encouraged me the most was not the pat on the back. Hey, you know, all things work for good for those who love the Lord. And you know, I mean, yes, those scriptures are true. But what really inspired me and motivated me to to keep going was the stories of other people. You know, and, and that's one of the great things about being in healthcare is that you know, when we go to work, no matter what kind of problems we're having, and I've got a ton of problems, it seems like every day, you know, when I hear the stories of these people and I see what they're going through, I realize, man, I have nothing to complain about. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, I think that just kind of keeps me, keeps me motivated. It keeps me going. I had a lady about three weeks ago, came in the emergency room, you're talking about your worst emergency room story She had had ovarian cancer for 16 years and she was crying. I mean, no more chemotherapeutic options. I mean, the big, big city cancer doctors, they're done with her. And she comes in, she's had this bulge growing in her abdomen and it exploded and all of her bowel contents just leaked out onto, you know, her, her belly. I mean, just the most horrific thing you can imagine. And, uh, you know, and I'm like, Oh my goodness, you know, let's go ship you to the big city. And sure enough, she wanted to stay, and they wouldn't take her. And, um, you know, she said, uh, a couple of things she said that just really blew me away. She said, you know, doctor, um, you know, I play the cards that God, or play the hand of cards that God gives me. And I was like, wow. You know, because she had been given some bad cards. Yeah. Know? And the other thing she said is she said, you know, um, um, you know, if I can just reach one person through my sickness, it's been worth it. Mm. You know, and I will tell you, I don't, John, John, I don't have that kind of faith. You know, yeah. I, don't, I don't, I don't have that kind of uh, endurance. And of course, you know, of course, I've never went through that. And I, and I'm a firm believer that as we go through things like that, God, God, God measures out the grace we need to go out, go through the circumstances that we're facing. But man, that just—I mean—that just encourages me, and that's just a faith that. You know, these are just everyday people sharing sharing their stories. And, you know, and I just felt like these stories needed to be shared with folks. So it's kind of the book is very similar to a chicken soup for the soul, but it's really faith based. And they're really stories that kind of help people change their focus. You know, I don't know about how you deal with your problems and challenges in life, but I tend to, you know, all the why me, you know, why me, why now, why God, why why not somebody else? Why can't somebody else deal with this problem? And, and, um, you know, these stories help us change focus, you know, from an inward focus to more of an upward focus, looking at God and his promises and, you know, all the things, you know, that, that he's, he's promises in, in, in a crisis or any kind of obstacle or challenge.
0: That's really good. One of the best advice I ever got, I was going through a uh, kind of like a hearing God's voice for your life um, class. And the guy said, he said, the worst question you could ever ask God is why? He said, what you need (laughs) to be asking is, God, what do you want to show me through this situation? And, And when he said that, man, I thought, man, that's really good, because the fact is, is that what's already is done is done. Now it's more like, God, what can we do this? Like, how, what are you wanting? How can you be glorified in this situation? How can you fix it? And what can I do to be part of that situation or circumstance? And and I think a lot of times for years, I was that victim growing up and like, why this and why that? And man, once he said that, it literally, like you said, your book, you change your focus, it radically changed my life because all of a sudden I felt empowered by the Holy Spirit and by my heavenly father to say, Hey, something can be done about this. I'm not a victim. This can be fixed.
2: Wow. Yeah. And that's well said. That's exactly that upward focus. You know, so often we see our problems, but we don't see the possibilities that our problems bring, you know, and, and, you know, suffering, whatever kind of suffering it is, it's an invitation, you know, for intimacy with God, to know God better. It's a, it's an opportunity to grow and change and mature You know, it talks about that in Romans, about, you know, in James, how we should count it all joy, knowing that all these things are going to be produced in our lives. It's an also, it's an opportunity to influence people. And it's funny. And I see this all the time, just like this lady with cancer, man, she just in her suffering and in her attitude that she had with her suffering, man, she was able to just really inspire people and people would listen to her that, you know, I could never you know, I could never influence, you know, even as a doctor or whatever, you know, but just for the fact that she, or just the way she responded to her, to her circumstances was just, man, it just, I mean, it just, uh, you know, caught people's attention.
0: Yeah. So I'm curious, how many stories did you end up with in the book? Did you end up interviewing a lot of people like in town and your patients and stuff? Well,
2: A lot of these are my patients. I mean, I've changed a lot of the names and some of the scenarios a little bit for confidentiality purposes uh, but they're real stories about real people yeah. so you know um, yeah they're they're real tell me one of your favorites or one that sticks out to you
0: besides a lady with cancer you told us about
2: well there was a girl that came into the emergency room they're not I i, mean, I, I seem like i'm giving you all the sad stories <laughs> <laughs>
0: well the book is about sick and suffering so i wasn't expecting any like comical joy out of any of these. So. <laughs> well, there
2: are some funny stories in there. So, okay. anyway, let me tell you something. So, there was, old, there was an old rancher that knew. He came into the hospital, and he's kind of, an old, he kind of like this guy, didn't like doctors. And so, this old rancher uh, was out feeding his cows, and, and uh, you know, he had this old fence that was about broken down. So, he took this electric wire and put it around his, you know, his corral, and he got out there, and as he was putting out feed, you know, he he, he, he fell, and he hit, hit the electrical wire, and it, you know, it shocked him. You know, and all of a sudden, the guy realized he was just feeling better and feeling stronger. You know, he got up and wiped the dust off his breeches, and so went back. And you know, four or five days later, he began feeling kind of sick and again, and went back out to his corral and Oh my gosh! Started feeding again, and once again, fell and hit that wire, and man, it gave him a jolt, and he kind of, kind of something. You know, I guess a light bulb went on in his head. Uh, no pun intended, but, you know, he said, man, this is pretty good. So he took the wire and he ran it through his house. And so every morning he would get up and he would <laughs> drink his coffee and he'd touch that wire, you know. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, later, you know, so, you know, I got kind of a console on this, but later he came to the hospital and he was in atrial, you know, fibrillation He was, you know, it was actually what the guy was doing was doing cardioversions when he touched that wire, it would shock his heart and put it back in rhythm. And uh, you know he almost killed himself. You know the po- the point is. You know, <laughs> oh I'm just dying be... laughing, man. Because I
0: have I'm in a small uh, ag town, yeah, and I and I'm around guys like that all the time. So I'm picturing guys that I know that would do that. It is
2: it's just comical, man. <laughs> we guys tend to be bad, the worst physicians. You know, just the point of you know, sometimes we can get ourselves in some big trouble when we don't go to the great physician, you know, that God has yeah. the answers. And, and often we don't, you know, we don't look uh, for the answers in the right place. And hey, I'm a doctor. I try to treat myself too. I'm, and I'm getting worse. I'm one of those do as I say, not as I do doctors. But a sad story. Once we had this uh, girl come in on an ATV accident, she was Uh, fixing to go to medical school, beautiful girl, bashed her head in and had a closed head injury, basically Mm -hmm. was in a coma, and it was just obvious she was going to die, nothing the neurosurgeon could do. And so the family uh, gathered around and kind of began, you know, how do you tell a family news like that? You know, in one instant they've got this successful, beautiful daughter, and now it's all gone. And so, you know, I kind of stumbled and did my best telling them what was going to happen. And, and uh, the family gathered around the bedside there in the emergency room to pray. And I was kind of busy, you know, trying to get all my paperwork done and go to the next trauma patient that evening. It was kind of a busy evening. And uh, they were in there praying. And, you know, one of the alarms went off. I went back in the room and grandma saw me out of the corner of her eye. And she asked, hey, doc, would you come pray with us? And to be honest, John, I was a little re- reluctant to do that, yeah, you know just kind of weird situation you know and but nevertheless, I joined hands and listened to him pray, and Grandma began praying, you know, thank you, God, she's perfect mm. God, I thank you that she's perfect you know as her vitals are going down and she's circling the drain, and I kind of opened one eye and looked at the girl, and you know her head was bashed in, blood coming out of everywhere, clear fluid you know covering glass and dirt, and I'm like. What do you mean she's perfect? You know, I mean, yeah. my eyes, what I was seeing was far from perfect. And, uh, you know, those words, that girl went on to, you know, to, to be with the Lord. But, you know, those grandma's words stuck in my head. You know, she's perfect. You know, grandma was seeing the unseen. You know, she was seeing something that went beyond, you know, what we see here in the here and now. You know, and really that's a pretty amazing uh, expression of faith. You know, so often when we think of faith as being delivered from our circumstances, but you know, but faith is sometimes also accepting the inevitable and uh, knowing that God somehow is gonna weave this in for, for good. And so uh, that's one of the, you know, the stories that really sticks in my mind about really how to, you know, how, how to see the unseen and have faith in the midst of something just really horrific.
0: You know we're all about being real around here, and if I'm being truthful, I hate Shopping for insurance. So recently, I found a company that made my life much easier and also helped me find an insurance policy. And they help you find all different types of insurances. So what was it? I'm glad you asked. Policygenius.com. So I went on Policy Genius, got a uh, quote. It literally took just a couple minutes, and I got to tell you, to be honest, I was extremely impressed with the representative that I had. Uh, They actually text me, uh, followed up with phone calls. They made the process really easy, really impressive. And it all said and done, absolutely, I got insurance through them uh, because they made the process easy and I liked dealing with them. So That being said, why don't you go on there right now and compare and buy either life insurance, different types of insurance you're looking for, get on policygenius.com and see what they can do for you. I do recommend them and personally use them. I'm curious, that story and maybe others like it, how has that impacted your faith?
2: You know, it's hard to process. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons why I started writing. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm having having all these changes in my life, you know, and and, uh, you know, a lot of people journal. In fact, journaling has been shown to be actually be healthy for people. But, um, you know, it it does impact your faith. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, you just, you know, like you said, we wonder why. And, you know, you know, Job asked God, what, 16 or 17 times, <laughs> why God, why does this happening? God never answered him. And, yeah. you know, and we're always going to have this on this side of eternity. We're never going to know the meaning of suffering. And I guess that's the thing. It, it's really about a relationship. It's really about, um, you know, having that anchor for the soul, that depth of faith that, you know, come what may God still, God still got us, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, but but it's been good to see that um, in the lives of other people.
0: What have been uh, some of your feedback as far as like testimonials and stuff? Just I love testimonies, like even with my book and stuff. I love hearing them because it, you wrote it, obviously, to impact people's lives. And, and I'm sure you have. What are some of the testimonials you'll, you've you gotten from
2: that? <laughs> well, one of my first books was my was my, my friend and uh, who's a orthopedic surgeon they're in Amarillo and uh, I sent him a copy of the book and it, it really blessed him. I think he's, I think he's given them out in his office. So uh, they're in Amarillo, but you know, it's funny. It's like when I go to book signings and stuff, you know, people cry, they tell me their stories. It's, it's sometimes it's really kind of, uh, it's kind of edgy, it, but, it, but, it, but it connects with people in a deep way. And that's what the stories are about. You know, so my prayer is that somewhere in this book, you're going to find yourself and connect with one of these stories in, in a real way um, that's going to, you know, impact your life. So, yeah, I mean, I'm getting all kinds of great, you know, great response with it. Um, you know, if you're not really sick and suffering, it's one of those books that, you know, it, it, it may not be for you, but you know, but everybody knows somebody in their family or whatever who needs to be encouraged. And sometimes we, you know, we just don't know what to say to folks, Yeah, you know, who are going through, some tough times and sometimes we give the pat answers and you know uh, but this is a good thing for people it's a good resource for people you know to know what to to give to somebody you know when they don't know what to say Um, but yeah I've gotten some good responses you know it's one of those things I think it's going to be a a slow book to catch on you know Uh, I want to do a series I want to do a series on uh, not only uh, a spoonful of courage for the sick and suffering but the caregivers you know the caregivers are kind of a forgotten people group, yeah. and and they're the ones that suffer just as much as the as the sick person. You know their whole life changes, the responsibilities changes. You know, and all the attention is usually on the sick person, and so their their whole life is displaced and it's all changed by this disease, and they're probably even more affected than the sick person. So, you know how do you how do you encourage those people? So you yeah. know I've got a whole
0: hopefully if, if if it does well I'll have a whole series of books. Yeah, well I hope so too. Uh, you know it's funny you said that. I'm I'm about to do a work for a client that their uh, their spouse unexpectedly passed away. And it literally just obviously rocked the world they have uh, he was older but they have uh kids and we have to do some work on their house and stuff and and I just saw the chaos, you know a lot of times it it sounds really sad for the person who dies, but I mean, he went to go be with the Lord. And I mean, like he has, I mean, he's good. I mean, I'm like, to me, in my mind, he's like, he's checked out, he's gone. He's thank you, Jesus. But it's the, it's those that are like you said, that are left behind that got to deal with the sadness and them not being there and, and all those things. And I think, you know, that's, that's the hard part. That's the part that makes me sad. Not the person who's passed uh, if if they're with the Lord. So I'm I'm looking forward to that for you.
2: Yeah, so, yeah, and grieving is, man, it's huge, you know. So we all grieve in different ways. You know, it's hard to sometimes, you know, it's just to give people space to, you know, we think they should be over it, you know, and it's amazing how these people can have, you know, flashbacks. Being in a small town, I've had people – I went to basketball games with my kids and seen people, you know, who – you know, we had a kid die. You know, in the car wreck, whatever. And man, it's just mm. like all of a sudden, a flashback, and they, and uh, you know, so it's grieving is a process, man. It's it's tough.
0: I'm curious. I've never thought about that. Is that hard for you in the sense being in a small town? Because you see these people, so you see <laughs> spouses and parents yeah, and stuff like that. I so do.
2: you have okay. You know, I've had people though that smile at me and say, "Hey, Doc, I hadn't seen you in ten years." You know, it's like. This kind of gives you a complex, you know. It's like, hey, they're happy they haven't seen me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> but, yeah, but, you know, but it is good. It is, it is. you know, when things are good, they're really good. And when things are bad, they're really bad. You know, but, yeah. you know, that's my calling, you know. And pastors have the same thing. You know, Yeah, sometimes very true. Pastors and, and all of us do. We have sometimes these situations with people that, you know, things are just never the same. Yeah. But you got to put that in God's hands and know that, hey, God's got this and, and, uh, you know, you just got to move on.
0: Absolutely. Okay. So I'm curious, I joked around it, uh, joked around about the beginning of the show. And I said, you've been nicknamed the best guy to see on the worst day of your life. How did you get that title? Cause I don't well, think I, we talked about that.
2: Well, John, I'm a guy you never want to see. Okay. I mean, you know, if you, you know, I mean, I don't meet people. At, I, don't, I don't go to many functions, you know, and when I do, I'm kind of like, you know, I guess I'm kind of socially inept. So how was your day, Doctor Page? Well, I didn't kill anybody today, yeah. you know. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, drained pus and took out a cancer, you know, I mean yeah. people just kinda of run off when I start talking about that kind of stuff. You know, so you know, um um, you know, I'm a I'm a guy that um kinda of like uh maybe like my maybe like the center on the football team, you never know they're there until something bad happens, you know? And you're glad or, you yeah, had them? Yeah. You're glad you had them. So that's, that's what I tell people and try to describe to them what I do, you know? So,
0: okay. So a couple of personal questions. What do you feel like your biggest strength is in what
2: you do? Listening, encouraging people. That's good. You know, and as a doctor, um, you know, it's funny, the things that we learned in medical school are still true. 90% of our diagnosis is, are based upon what people tell us. And if we just listen, we don't need a CAT scan. We don't need a bunch of fancy tests. If we just listen to people, they will tell us what's wrong with us. And so if we stop and we listen, and it's so, it's so challenging in this technological world, you know, we want to get the CAT scan first or whatever, or, you know, um, click buttons on the computer screen. But if we listen to people, they'll tell us what's wrong with us. And so I've learned to listen to people. And, you know, that's the benefit of that is I've learned to listen to the stories, too. Yeah. So, you know, of course, as a general surgeon, it's always hard work. It's just showing up. You know, 90% of my job is just just being there, you know, because it's always at 2 o'clock in the morning. Something bad happens. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway.
0: Is, is our parents told us nothing good happens after 12? Yes.
2: That's what I tell my kids. Yep. Don't ever go out after midnight. You know, I tell them, don't, don't ever ride an ATV, a horse. Uh, or a motorcycle you know (laughs) (laughs)
0: nothing good happens so okay I'm I'm curious okay so one of the questions I ask within your strength do you have a weakness or do you have something else uh, that's that's a weakness but sometimes I say that you can have an over and an
2: uh, an overextension of your strength can be a weakness but I don't know if that's oh yeah impatience and anger I mean I deal with impatience and anger you know I mean somebody said you know Dr. Page, you're going to put on your tombstone as the next patient in the room yet. You know what I mean? I'm very efficient in my time, and I want to get <laughs> things done. And so, you know, but I am learning patience. And, you know, I, you know and in my book, some of the things that I bring out, and, and like this is my own therapy, okay? But, yeah. you know, uh, patience is a, is a fruit of the Spirit. It's a gift of God that we can draw on. You know, we don't have to pray for patience because God's already given it to us. And I need to remind myself of that. You know, God's yes. already given us patience. I mean, you know, we can pray, God, help me to 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 access the patience you've already given me, but it is a fruit of the Spirit. And so, um, you know, I'm I'm just on the way like everybody else. You know, I'm still, you know, in that process of being chiseled away and growing and maturing in my faith. And, man, it's a process. You know, there's so many things now that make me impatient, especially with medicine. Medicine, you know, if you've been practicing medicine for 25 years, probably like your, you know, your construction work. It's pretty easy, I mean, you know what needs to be done. it's just all the paperwork and all the things. yes, all the obstructions that get in the way, you know, and you know and I'm just trying to help my patients and get get done. you know and the whole system now is is against that. complicated.
0: okay, uh, a couple more questions, but one thing I want to ask you: what's the biggest thing that God's stirring inside of you right now that you're excited about?
2: The biggest thing that i'm is stirring around in me right now. Um, you know, I'm just learning to wait on God, you know, just learning to, you know, like I said, that has to do with the patience. Patience, You're you're just learning to wait, um, and a funny story, let me tell you, I gotta tell you this story. Okay. So, and I don't mean to divert from this, but, uh, you know, every town's got a Walmart. So we had this guy that came in and, you know, he wasn't the brightest guy. And uh, he came in and he uh, needed a bowel surgery. So I uh, did this in surgery on him and, you know, cut out his intestine, sewed it back together. And, and he, you know, he did, he did pretty, he did pretty good. You know, after surgery, his, his, his mom, I knew, I knew I was in trouble because his mom said, you know, hey, doc, uh, you need to get him back on his medicines. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> you, know, you, you know, when you've got a bowel surgery, you can't do that. You know, so usually, you know, people with bowel surgery like this, you're in the hospital about a week. So about two o'clock in the morning that evening. The hospital administrator gave me a call. He said, uh, "Dr. Page, we've got a problem. We can't find your patient." So my patient, <laughs> this guy's name's Wally. So this, this guy's is Wally. He was he he took his pole and he left the hospital and he walked across the street and walked over to Walmart. <laughs> And the police, and the police, you know, the police started, you know, he had, he had put on a brand new pair of orange shoes and bought a bunch of soda pop. He had a tube coming out of his nose and a gown and his rear sticking out. You can imagine the commotion just started in small town Walmart here in uh, in Texas. But anyway, point is the guy, uh, nobody wants to, nobody wants to endure suffering. Everybody wants to exit and escape and get out of, it, you know, and, and I guess that's the thing I'm learning with, with the changes that we're experiencing is that, you know, God's got me here for a purpose. And um, I need to learn to be patient in that. And I need to learn to, you know, to endure. You know, it talks about in Hebrews how the one thing we're lacking is patience. You know, and I mean, how often? And that's, I think that's the hardest thing for us as Christians, waiting. I talk about, you know, the anachronym waiting is is you know, uh, well, I can't remember it now. But anyway, <laughs> I'm not that certain. Said so I've never made a mistake, but I got a, a you know a short memory. Um, but you know, just waiting, just 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 stopping and you know anticipating what God's going to do and working on our relationship with God and and you know and, and waiting for His timing. All those things that we need to do to to grow. And so often I think we get ahead of God and. You know, we just mess things up, kind of like Wally did. You know, It yeah. a lot, of, caused a lot of, a lot of trouble for a lot of people. So, uh, I'm learning to wait.
0: Okay, that's good. That's a great. You know what? I, I, just real quick, I want to say, I think people that are real driven, um, that have a real drive for or passion for what they do, and uh, yep. whether it's business or stuff, you—that's a really hard one, and I, I struggle with it. Some days I've gotten a lot better. Today I did terrible so
2: (laughs) well that's good well that makes me feel better (laughs) yeah
0: i've been getting a lot better but today was absolutely terrible i had zero patience and i think i almost punched my computer so (laughs) that's uh okay as we wrap up the show i do want to ask you um if you could go back to the younger you chuck what age would you pick what advice would you give yourself knowing you're not going to change anything in the future but just kind of give yourself a pep talk
2: I think it would have been probably at age 30 when I just got out of residency. You know, I had this vision that, you know, getting out of training, you know, that, you know, I just kind of entered the promised land, but I wasn't really preparing myself for the marathon that this was going to be, you know, surgery. When I was a younger guy, surgery was a lot of fun getting up at two in the morning and, you know, seeing people shot and stabbed in the heart and all this crazy stuff is fun. As you get older, that begins to drain you, you know, and it's a real marathon, you know, and I just didn't realize, um, you know, the, um, just the endurance that I was going to need to, to finish this thing. Well, that's, you good. know, and I think that's true. Especially all of us as men, especially in middle age, you know, we kind of get in the doldrums, and we kind of, Keep thinking about, you know, what if, what if I could have did this or did that? And, you know, we, we realize that, you know, uh, at least for me, this is what God's called me to do and I need to do it until he tells me to stop. Yeah. So anyway, and so that's where I'm at, you know, just learning to, like I said, to to wait and to be faithful and just keep going. That's good, man. I feel like so many of us, you know, just like, uh, Abraham and Isaac, you know, there, you know, the tipping point, you know, Abraham, man, he, he didn't realize it, but man, I mean, can you imagine his emotions He was going up that mountain thinking about what he was going to have to do to his son? And, you know, God had already provided the ram for him. It was already there. It was already provided. That was the Jehovah Jireh, you know, it was all, all there. He didn't know it. And so, but what if Moses would have quit and wouldn't have kept going up that mountain? You know, and so and that's what I keep reminding myself is I've got to keep going. I've got a lot of people, you know, you know, on my shoulders that I have to carry, you know. So yeah. anyway, but it's good. It's a good gig.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll be praying strength and all that stuff for you. Okay. So how do we, uh, we want you to come to our church. We want you to speak. We want to check out your book. We want to order lots of copies to hand out to people at the hospital. Hint, hint. I'm giving my audience ideas. Um, how do we connect with you? How do we find your stuff?
2: charleswpage.com or you can look up a spoonful of courage.com so i'm also starting a podcast i'm kind of a newbie to this and it's called dr page's podcast and i I really just want to hear people's stories people's stories of faith and how their faith has impacted their health challenges um you know in fact um one of the things i've worked on is a surviving sickness and suffering toolkit and this is a it's kind of a video journal and I'll give you the link, but it's a, it's a free kind of deal. And it, you know it's like a five minute video that you can read, just write down the questions if you want to. Okay. And um, you know, it kind of helps to help you just navigate through, you know, all the feelings that you experience when you're going through a health crisis. And so, you know um, if you can maybe, you know, click on that link, I think that would be something to be real beneficial for you as well. And something that might, you know, help you to change your focus.
0: Man, that's really good. Yeah. Uh, let us know about that. Send it over. If you want to uh, send that over to us on email, we'll post it in our show notes, uh, for our listeners. And uh, again, listeners remember a spoonful of courage. You can check that out. So, uh, Chuck, I appreciate your time, man. I, I love your stories, love what you're doing. I thank you that, um, you've taken the time. Uh, I just see that, that special, that gift that you have, For obviously taking your job serious, but really going above and beyond to help your patients uh, even more dealing with um, the emotional side of it, not just the physical side. So I think that's awesome.
2: Well, thanks, John. Thanks, John. It's been great being on the show. It's good. Good talk.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. Hold on just a second. Roar Nation, I hope you guys check out that book. I'm sure you guys know somebody who could use some encouragement. So remember, A Spoonful of Courage. Uh, order a couple books. You know, I was thinking about myself. I'd love to make a hospital visit and uh, even a chance to just minister to people or hand out books or say, hey, I want to pray for you. And I have this book because a lot of times people are in the hospital by themselves or they don't have uh, loved ones. I've just had to go through this uh, ourselves as a family with people in the hospital. So just encourage you a uh, way to do some ministry or reach out to those who could use some encouragement. So we're nation. If you need anything, remember, reach out to us, check us out on Facebook, uh, our, are you real page? And uh, you can also check us out on Instagram or email. So remember, be real, be authentic and be you. God bless.
1: That's all for this episode of, are you real finding the authentic you? Be sure to go to rureal.org for your free questionnaire to identify your gifts and talents and how you can use them to help people become leaders and catapult them into their destiny to help others become the leaders of tomorrow. We appreciate you spending your time with us and look forward to helping you reach out and revolutionize. Next time on Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You.